Welcome to New Mommy at 40, a honest, informative, and non-judgmental podcast for those navigating to and through parenthood in their 40s. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you don't miss a single episode. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to New Mommy at 40. I'm your host, Victoria Latour Dunker, and I am so happy to have our guest today. She is a 44-year-old wealth, wellness and health coach based out of Arizona. Her name is Daisha Enos. She's a mother, she's a wife, and she's got two beautiful children aged is four and nine. Could have reversed that with nine and four. Yeah. And uh, we are so happy to have her on today. Welcome to the New Mommy at 40 family, Deja. Thank you, Victoria. I am so happy to be here and, and so uh, excited for this conversation today. Yeah, I, you know, I love uh, covering all different types of uh, stories and arrivals into motherhood at this stage. So I wanted to ask you, what did your motherhood journey, what did you think it was going to look like prior to having children? <laughs> well, I, I think like most women, I've probably assumed it was going to happen a little earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize I would be in my mid-30s by the time I became a mother. I think that um, maybe I thought it was maybe like a mid-20s or late-20s type deal. I thought I'd be a little bit younger, but um, I, you know, looking back on it now, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, it's it, it happened when it was supposed to happen, but, you know, as females in this society we, we get that pressure pretty early on. Like you hit a certain age and you're going to start hearing it from people and you're even going to start feeling it yourself because you see what's happening around you. You see everybody else around you having kids, you know, very early on. And so, you know, with the, with that, that extra happening, when, when you're hearing it from, from all sides and stuff, it, it, it can kind of be overwhelming. But I, if that were the, the one thing that I could say, um, I didn't see happening. I didn't necessarily plan to be in my mid thirties, right. but once again, I, I wouldn't change that for anything. It was, it was, it happened when it was supposed to happen. I couldn't agree with you more. I was wondering, um, what, where did you have that from family members? Were they starting to kind of question what was going on? What were those voices like? Yeah, you know, mainly family members, they're always well-meaning, yeah. right? They, they they think that they're saying something that's really, you know, once again, it's, it, that, I don't think a lot of people pay attention to their words, you know, and I think you know this. I mean, your journey and how you started this were words that came from somebody who kind of knew you, mm -hmm. but they thought that they were just saying something just off the cuff. And so, yeah, a lot of it comes from from family. I think your friends, I think the people who are in your friend group, they're probably around the same age and you're probably having the same type of, of um, life situations happening at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, my friends from college and, and high school, we were we're navigating our 20s at the same time. And so we all know what's happening with each other. We know what's happening with relationships and and, you know, are we getting close to motherhood? Like we know that. Mm -hmm. But your older family members, they don't necessarily know that. They just know that, hold up, Daisha ain't had any babies yet. She ain't, there's no man. There's no babies. Like, what's happening there? So they start to ask the questions or they start to make the comments. And once again, they don't know that it's that it can be hurtful. They don't realize that. It's just kind of off the top of their head. They're just wanting to, to put that out there that they want to see you married with kids mm -hmm. and stuff. They, they don't realize 
the kind of the ramifications of what they're saying, like that, what that's hap- what what's happening to the person internally when they hear that over and over again. So yeah, I would say a lot of it for me came from from family members. I'll say that they were well-meaning though. They once again, they weren't trying to to be hurtful or or, or hurt anybody's feelings, but a lot of that comes from family because your friends know what you're going through. Yeah. They're probably going through it at the same time. Yeah, you that's very true cuz my my grandmother was in I think she passed I think she was 97. And I'm okay. the first of four and the last to have kids. So I remember at one point, you know, because I, I did have someone in my life for a long time that she knew of. And she was just like, what is going on? Do you just not want one? Like, what's happening? Just <laughs> at one point, she was like, just have the baby. Have the baby. Bring it here. I take care of it. What's <laughs> why, why? Why? Why don't you have a baby already? Just bring it to me. I take care of it. It's not. And I'm like. <laughs> Okay, miss, I left the stove on. I forgot. And I'm going to, no, I, I can't do that right now. But she, I mean, to the to the point of guilt of like, can I please see your child before I die? Can you have this child before I die? Um, but it's well-meaning because she just wants to, you know, to experience right. that. And I don't have any regrets of having children um, later either. But I do wish, I kind of do wish that she had been able to meet my daughter. But yeah. you can't you can't plan. I mean, in terms of motherhood journeys, we have this thing in our head of what it could look like. But at some point, you're like, where is this person coming from that's going to have this baby yeah. with me? <laughs> for real. For real. Yeah. The steps. The steps. You know, um, and it's funny because they, you know, from on my side, they they were... And, and, and probably that came from me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, I was a pretty independent kid, pretty independent teenager, young woman. And I didn't necessarily talk about marriage or even think I was going to get married, but I kept talking about the kids. Right. Like I skipped the whole man part. Like I kept talking about the kids. I didn't even yeah. have wedding dresses in my head or anything, but I just knew mom, you know, motherhood was going to be a thing. That's real. It's yes. Bad. Girl, same here. Same here. I swear to God, I was the least girly girl. I wasn't dreaming about the wedding. I wasn't, did not have the man in mind, but I did have the kids. That that's that's the crazy part. Like, in as a teenager, I had the kids in mind. I knew I wanted two kids. I knew I wanted a boy and a girl, and I knew that I wanted to get pregnant with one of them, so one bio kid, and I knew I wanted to adopt a second one because I had these friends growing up. I had friends who were adopted growing up, so I I was familiar with that situation and that dynamic, and I knew that I wanted to be that. I knew I wanted to do that in my life, so I had that all planned, Victoria. I did. I had the kids planned. I didn't have the man planned, (laughs) and so my family, they knew that, and they knew that they were... um, they were pressuring me on the kids part. They're like, where are these kids? These two kids you keep Talk talking about, right? about they've already got names and stuff. They, they, they skipped the man part with me too, because they, they just knew, <laughs> but you know, eventually I did find the man and, and it all worked out. But yeah, same here, girl, that the pressure was about the kids. They well, wanted to see some, some kids, kids um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, <laughs> But you manifested this Daisha. You did. I mean, it yeah. seems like, well, a, I'm, I'm impressed that people actually like, listen to you, you know, like they didn't pressure you on the man part. Cause you had, you, you must've been very clear, made it very clear what you were looking for at the time. So this was an extra, yeah. a bonus that he came into your life. Fantastic. That is exactly oh, that. I, I love that you say that because that's exactly what we, that I tell him. I was like, you were the bonus, honey. <laughs> you were the cherry on top 
I had not planned for you. I had planned for these kids that we got now, this nine-year-old and this four-year-old. Yeah. I planned for them. I didn't plan for you. So you're the bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. That's like, you know, it's like, wow, I didn't even, I couldn't even picture you. But here you are. You had to be here too. Good for you. Yes, he did. He did. He, he, was, he was essential. I didn't realize it then, but I know it now. Where did you meet? We met here in Arizona. Yeah. A lot of people assume, um, because he's retired Air Force, a lot of people assume that we had known each other beforehand and I moved here um, uh, with him. But no, we met separately here in Arizona. I had already been here for about three years. I'm originally from Tennessee and I had moved here on my own. I loved Arizona. Uh, traveled out here when I was in college. I loved it. And I was like, I'm going there when I become, when I get at done with the school and I'm going to, to Arizona. That's where I, I want to live. And so I had been out here for about three years. He had been stationed here right out of high school. Uh-huh. So when he joined the Air Force, he got stationed here in Arizona. And we met, we wouldn't have met any other way, Victoria. Mm-hmm. We met online. Okay. So we were actually on an online dating site. That's how we met. So we're actually one of those success stories. There is, there right. are the, those people who meet online that it actually works out. So. Well, because I'm all about helping the sister out, this is a possible possible sponsorship partnership here. I'm just saying, oh, maybe you could reach out to them and show them this <laughs> and say, uh, we met on this platform. How about your girl? Well, they don't. They don't, it doesn't exist anymore. Oh. It's Yahoo Personals. Oh. They don't even exist anymore. Oh, girl. Exactly. Of all of the ones <laughs> out there, it doesn't even exist. Y'all closed it up. You closed up shop. I know. Yep. Just thank yep. you. We closed it up. Snatched it. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. all right. Well, never mind. I can't. I was trying, I girl. I was trying. I'm like, listen. I know. I love she's it. She's a health you. and wellness like, coach. Let's like, you know. Okay. Well, I tried. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love where your head was going. Yeah. I was just listening. Everyone's got to get paid. Listen. Um, so, (laughs) so, well, so now you, you guys met, you guys got married in Arizona. So when did baby number one come into your life? Tell us about that whole pregnancy uh, or if there was a conversation of, okay, let's start now. I want to hear how number one got here. Oh, yeah. So by the time we met each other, we were both he was I think he was 30. I was 29 when we actually met. We dated for a couple of years, got engaged. And then I we saw no reason to have a long engagement. We're like, yeah, we know. we're Let's just go on and get married. So we were only engaged for about seven months before the actual wedding. Nice. So we got married. So at the time that we got married, I was 32. He's 33. So we, you know, I'm thinking it already in my head. I'm thinking, okay, I'm I'm early 30s. There's no baby yet. I, I'm I'm thinking of it from a physiological standpoint. But at the same time, we met each other late. Right. And so because of that, yeah, we had had two years with each other, but we still wanted that me time. We still wanted our time with each other. And we were both both of us. So there wasn't a pressure from me and there wasn't a pressure from him. We both mutually agreed that, Let's take some time. Let's be married. Let's have some me time, you know, before we, because we can't get that back. Once the babies come, you're a mother, you're a father forever. It's not going to, you're not going to get that time back where it's just the two of you and you don't have that responsibility. So we actively did, we actively, you know, decided let's take some time. In the meantime, 
we did some research on houses and stuff like that. And we realized, hey, we can build a house. We can afford to build a really nice house in the neighborhood that we want to live in and stuff. So in thinking about building that house, we had to think about, okay, the kids, the two kids, you know, we, we both live uh, far away from our family. So we were thinking, you know, guest room, blah, blah, blah. So as we're planning this house, we're realizing, okay, well, this house is going to be done in June and we're going to need, we're going to need to fill it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we just got, we got this big house. It's just the two of us. So basically the way it worked out is as we were building the house, we were coming up on our two year anniversary. And for me, that also meant I was turning 34 and I knew what that meant. I knew from a medical standpoint that I'm getting close to what they call the advanced maternal age. <laughs> and I also knew that I personally have medical issues with my reproductive system. And I didn't know how easy that was going to be for us to get pregnant. And so, I, you know, we decided let's just get off the birth control and let's just see what happens. We built this house to have two kids. Let's see what happens. And I was a big, big proponent, Victoria, of not being stressed out about the situation because I had seen so many women, so many women who it, it just it seemed like it was clockwork. They wanted to get pregnant. They tried. They tried. They tried. It didn't happen. They eventually go through IVF. It doesn't happen then. They decide never mind, we're not going to try natural, let's adopt. They adopt a kid and within a year they get pregnant. It happened every time, like for so many people that I knew personally. And in knowing how the human body works, I was like, that's stress. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is pure stress. Stress is causing that hormonal imbalance that once you have a baby, once you've adopted that kid and you're a mother, mm -hmm. The stress is gone, right? We don't have that stress anymore. And guess what? Now you're just having sex. And guess what? It just happens, right? It just happens naturally the way it's supposed to happen. And I wanted that for us. I did not want us getting pregnant to be a stressful situation. I just wanted it to happen. So all we did was just got off the birth control and that was it. Let's just have, let, let it happen naturally. And it did take a few months. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't an immediate thing. Right. It did take a few months for, you know, um, I'd say it took about six months from the time that I got off the birth control and until I, until we conceived for it to happen. But that for me, I think that that was probably one of the biggest things was that I went into it knowing we're just going to let nature take its course. We're not going to force this or because you can't, you can't force it. It's going to happen or it's not. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the time it's supposed mm -hmm. to happen. And I did not want to be stressed about my age. I just wanted nature to do its thing. So for us, it was two years later. So two years after we got married, we started the process, and like I said, within about six months, we got um, we we conceived and got pregnant with uh, with our son. Wow, so many gems in there, so <laughs> many gems in there. Um, I want to backtrack to something that I first of all, what I'm hearing to sum up what I wanted to say is that you sound very informed, and I think this is why this is a testament to why I do this podcast too, and why so many of us who have been down this road are doing this now because we did not have all of this information readily at our hands, you know, in no. our twenties. So I'm actually really impressed 
with what you're saying, that you were informed of your reproductive issues already. Um, You were aware that 34 was getting close to like advanced maternal age with which Mm -hmm. I'm surprised sometimes I speak to people and they don't exactly know when that kicks in, when that title kicks in. Um, More and more now, but there was a point where people just assumed that was 40 because they're not thinking of themselves as advanced maternal, you know, at 35, I get it. So a lot of gems there. So I want to ask you, what led you to finding out about your reproductive issues? Like what, how did you know? If if you're not comfortable sharing all of them, that's fine. But I just want to get an idea of how did you find that out? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no problem there. I, it was pretty, you know, I think, and I don't want to put this out there on everybody. I don't want to generalize our demographic, but what I have found over my 44 years on this planet is that you don't find a lot of black women who are going to be going to the doctor and finding out what's happening in their bodies. A lot of times we're just going to have the symptoms. We're just going to live with it and not really know what's going on. And so that is kind of what I grew up knowing, honestly. You know, that's a kind of, that's very common in, in our community. I took a different approach. I, I Being in the medical field, being an allied healthcare professional, I took a different approach and decided if I'm having symptoms of something, I want to find out what it is and find out how I can change my lifestyle, if that's possible, to rectify that. And so for me, I had my first period when I was 11. And from the time I was 11 years old until I finally um, uh, got a gynecologist and stuff in my 20s, I had very heavy, painful periods. And I just thought that that's what it was because every other woman in my family complained about the same thing. Now, years later, I find out that we all have some similar issues with our uterus, like we all did, but nobody was really talking about it. They just talked about the symptoms. They talked about the heavy periods and the painful periods. Well, once I finally went to my doctor and and they took some ultrasounds, come to find out that I had some very large fibroids in my uterus and that those fibroids were growing. And so I had options. And this was when I was in my 20s. And so, you know, when they talk about your options, there's best case scenario of removing the fibroids and and hopefully they don't come back. That's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is you just have the hysterectomy. You get rid of the uterus altogether, right? Well, I'm in my 20s. I haven't had my kid yet, right? right? So I'm thinking ahead. And I'm like, well, that's not an option because I want my kid, you know? So I I decided, okay, they can't guarantee that I'm not going to, that if we take the fibroids out, that they're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. So I just made a choice. I'm like, I will just live with it and see what happens. And so when it was time for us to try, when, when once I got off the birth control and decided to try, um, that was something that was in my head. That's what I knew in my head was that I've got fibroids. Fibroids are going to make it a little bit more diff- difficult for me to conceive, probably plus my age, right? So you add those factors and stuff in, and that's where I was coming from as far as ooh, I, this might not be easy for us, and because it might not be easy, 
let me just go on and take the stress out of it, right? Good let, for let, you. I'm not going to hammer it home and try to try to make it happen. We're uh, once again let nature take its course, and if we get pregnant, great. If it takes a while, that's fine. But I already knew that I had a couple of strikes against me in that in that category, and I didn't want to add stress on top of that. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of where, where that came from. No, that's great. Um, you know, I, I had fibroids as well. And I, I've also found out, I think the first, no, I was on my thirties when I found them and I had always had, uh, painful periods too. And it just, it's, um, I hope that if there are any, by chance, if there are any younger women watching or if you are a mother of a young child, of a young daughter who's in that teen, you know, teenage um, um, space, to kind of listen to them if they do say that they're having pain. Because I'm just thinking of my niece right now who's been saying this for a while that, you know, she's, since she's had her period, how painful it is. And it's, yeah. it is, um, it's, it's, it's very common for us to just kind of, Okay, I'm sure maybe mm -hmm. she's being a, you know a little dramatic or take a mitol or you know just it's gonna be fine right. you know <laughs> but it could right. be it could be something else so um you know just a cautionary tale for anyone listening if you are uh, if you have any teenagers in your life and you hear this from this point that they're saying that it might be really um, advantageous to take them and just get that gynecological uh, visit early you know because yeah. you said twenties. I think that was the first time I went to, you know, I just felt like, yeah. you know, going in the earlier was admitting that she's a young woman, you know, like, I don't think my mom was yeah. really comfortable. My parents right. were taking me to that doctor yet. Um, yeah. But, and I don't know how it was for you, but, um, and you can speak to this. Like I didn't have that, like my mom and her sisters, like the women that I was growing up around, they weren't going to a gynecologist on a regular basis. They were barely going to a primary care okay. person on a regular basis. So I didn't know that either. And that was something I wanted to change. I wanted to, I wanted to go to doctors and do the preventative yeah. part, right? Find out about stuff ahead of time if there is stuff. And then that's where, once I started figuring this out and, and started to talk to my mom and talk to my, my aunts and my cousins, Come to find out, like I said, it's genetic. Uh, the, all the women in my family yeah. were, were dealing with this, but we weren't having those conversations. So yeah. I don't know if that's how it was for you when you were growing up as well. I, I don't even remember even having that conversation about that type of doctor existing until mm -hmm. I, my mom was going because she had four of us. But it wasn't something that was extended as you may have to go to this doctor one day. You know, it was just only right. I only thought that they were for when you were pregnant. Like the right. obstetrics, obstetrics part. I didn't understand the other part. So I, it was, I, I didn't even really know. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I feel like there's a huge distrust in the black community, especially with women when it comes to OBGYNs because of, yeah. you know, the founder of the, the father of uh, gynecological medicine did a lot of experimentation mm -hmm. on black women who were enslaved yeah. and, you know, yeah. without any anesthetic, you know? Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of distrust, but we have to start, I think you're in that great cross section of doing the preventative care, understanding where um, medicine and Western medicine is helpful and also taking ownership of your own health with health and wellness. 
and combining the right. two. You, they two, the two can right. exist. You can still take your teas and your herbs from the garden, right. and still and still be seen by a doctor. It's possible to do both. Yes, you know? yes, I agree. So, so you have your. So, what was your pregnancy like? So you decided, okay, don't put the stress into this. We have enough against us, and I don't want to approach it in that way. I just want right. to. Let it happen. So it happened. Right. What was that moment like? Yeah. It was um it was eye opening. Like it it was one of those where you don't you've heard everybody else talk about um when they found out and all this stuff. And I just didn't I didn't want to believe quite yet, <laughs> but I had the symptoms. I had the symptoms there. Um I remember me and my husband were about to leave the house to go somewhere and I I stood up and turned around to get my jacket, and I almost fell over. I was so nauseated. I had never felt a wave of nausea like that in my life, Mm -hmm. and I still didn't think about it. And we're we're trying, girl. We are trying, and I'm I'm still not even thinking that I'm pregnant at this point. And then we go to a a restaurant. His family or his parents had come in to visit, and we go to eat with them, and we sit down to eat and I'm looking at the menu and everything I'm reading on the menu, I'm like, mm, like I'm having this, you know, this, this, you know, GERD situation. I'm like, oh my God, like this is, I couldn't believe that I was having the symptoms uh, and still wasn't taking the test yet. And this was mainly because I had taken two prior tests over the summer and they had both come back I negative. See, yeah. So I was like, okay, once again, not going to stress, mm-hmm. not going to pay just, it was my husband who was like, hey, babe, you think you want to take another test? I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine. He was like, why don't you just take a test? So I was like, fine. So he goes out. He's, he was gung-ho. He goes out and buys the tests and stuff. It was nighttime. And I was like, fine, I'll take the test. So I go and I take the test. I came back downstairs and sat on the couch and was watching football. <laughs> my husband is the one that went upstairs to check the test after the timer <laughs> went off. And he comes downstairs with the test and he's like, uh, babe. <laughs> and it's got the plus sign and stuff on it. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, he's getting <laughs> and ready to go. He's like, do you want to take the second one? I was like, no, because first off it's nighttime. They, they tell you, you know, you're supposed to take it in the morning. That's when the hormone is more present. Right. I was like, I promise I'll take it again in the morning and we'll see. <laughs> So I take the second test in the morning, girl, and it immediately turned. Like, I didn't even have to wait. It immediately wow, turned. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I need to. So from there, you know, you get the doctor's appointments. They confirm the pregnancy. And that's when I first heard the words geriatric pregnancy <laughs> from a medical person, right? Because they're doing the math. And they're like, oh, you're 34. And then they're looking at my due date. And they're like, oh, you're going to actually be 35 when you deliver. <laughs> so, you know advanced maternal age. I'm like, oh, there it is. I was waiting to <laughs> wait for somebody to say it. Um, but you know what? I, I had aligned myself with um, a gynecologist who was also in, um, in obstetrics. And so she, and she was very forward thinking. Somebody like me who, who looks at things from a more holistic standpoint, not necessarily wanting to get to, to automatically prescribe drugs mm-hmm. and things like that. Right. And so you know, she was very much like, hey, Daisha, you're pregnant. Yeah, you're going to be 35 when you deliver, but keep living your life. Keep doing, keep being the active person you are. Keep doing, you know, everything that you've been doing. And so that's what I did. For the next few months, I got through that first trimester, which was 
hell, let me just put it out there, let's be blunt about it. Um, that first trimester was bad, <laughs> really, really bad. Um, and I'm a fairly petite person. And so I wasn't showing until I really got into my second trimester. So I was able to hide it and wait and, and until the holidays to like present it to our families mm-hmm. and stuff and tell them that we were pregnant. But then um, second trimester, great. Everything was going great. We get to the 20 week mark. And that's where things changed because the minute I found out I was pregnant, I'm already thinking what this pregnancy is going to look like. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep working Mm -hmm. out. I'm going to start doing yoga. I'm going to, you know, get prepped for this natural birth with no drugs. Like I was gung ho girl. Like I was ready to go. And then we hit the week 20 mark. And that's when they do the ultrasound for that. Normally you can find out gender and they're looking for, for everything, you know, making sure everything else is progressing um, as it should. And at that, at that appointment, they found that I had a condition called placenta previa. So just to kind of, for those who aren't familiar, the placenta during your pregnancy is supposed to sit at the top of the uterus. That's where it's supposed to be throughout the pregnancy. For somebody with placenta previa, for whatever reason, the placenta has moved and shifted and it is actually covering the cervix, which is problematic because the baby's got to exit through the <laughs> cervix. So you, you, can't, you can't have your placenta down there. Um, so that that particular ultrasound, although we did get to find out gender, which was great, um, it was it was humbling because that changed everything. It, it really did, because that was the ultrasound that determines that um, I don't get to have a natural uh, birth. I'm going to have to have a C-section. And not only that, we're going to have to schedule it. Um, a couple of weeks early because we don't want to risk you going into labor. That's the big thing. We don't want you going into labor and and having and, and going through contractions and things like that. That's problematic. And so everything shifted at that particular one. But once again, I had aligned myself with doctors who trusted me and I trusted them. And so their their first thought was, let's put you on bed rest for the I'm like, bed rest? For 17 weeks, you're going to put me on, but that is not going to work. <laughs> Do you know me? I, exactly. I'm like, let me just tell you who I am and let me just tell you what I do. Because not only do I work out on a regular basis, I actually teach a high impact cardio kickboxing class. This is this bed rest for 17 weeks is not going to work for me. <laughs> I was like, please just trust me. I was like, if you trust me that I will listen to my body. I will modify everything I do from here on out. Everything will be low impact. Um, And I was still working full time as a certified athletic trainer at that point. And a lot of what I did um, working for my high school involved a lot of lifting of things. Right. And so I told them, I was like, listen, I'll stop lifting things. Coaches and athletes will have to get their stuff from here on out. Like I promise to make modifications. Just please don't put me on bed rest (laughs) for 17 weeks. And they trusted me and I trusted them. And and we went through that process. What happens, though, is they continue to monitor you because for some women, placenta previa can resolve itself. The placenta can actually move and get back to where it's supposed to go. But as I mentioned before, I had the fibroids. So my baby is growing in my uterus with the fibroids and, and there's no room. Basically there's no room in the end for that placenta to go back to where it was supposed to. And so I had to deal with the situation, the entire pregnancy, which meant they monitored me. I I had 
more ultrasounds than the normal lady. And I also had to go and do stress tests every week so they could monitor the baby and, and make sure that everything was, um, was, was going to plan. So yeah, girl, that week 20 ultrasound changed everything about, about the rest of my pregnancy and what my plan was <laughs> going forward. But um, Goodbye plan. I continue to stay active. <laughs> yeah. You, out yeah out the window out, out the window tear it up <laughs> throw, throw the plan away because that's not happening anymore but it, it worked out it it was um it was just another for me it was another sign from the universe that i i don't get to control everything i put it in the hands of the universe to get pregnant in the first place guess what they should the rest of your pregnancy you're gonna have to put it in the hands of the universe so you're gonna have to pray about this and you're going to have to stay positive about what this outcome looks like. Yes, it is different than what I had planned. Mm -hmm. And as a perfectionist, I was wanting my plan to, to, you know, to come to fruition. But in the end, do you deliver a healthy baby? And, and do I at the same point come out of this on the, on the other side too, because this is a condition that back in the day before modern medicine, women didn't, didn't make it, you know? So I, I wanted, I wanted to stay positive through it, even though my initial plans got, got, got changed up. No, you, I think you did. I think you did. I think it's, it's a, again, this cross section of like, okay, not really what I wanted, but what do I want? What is the ultimate right. outcome that I want? I want a healthy baby and exactly. I want to be, I want to see the baby. So, yeah, you know, but that is really, I had that too. Um, but it did move. I also had a fibroid at, at the time ah. I was pregnant. Um, but it, something about the hormones or I don't know what was happening. It was actually degenerating on its own. Thank God. So, right. so it was able, so the placenta was able to go back into its, its place. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like some people, like in your case, the hormones were causing the, the fibroid to actually shrink. Right. In my case, they were growing through the pregnancy. And so I had fibroids growing. I had three oh. in my uterus at the time. So I've got three fibroids and the baby's trying to grow at the same time. There's no wonder the placenta was like, I have nowhere else to yeah. go. Like I'm going to have to yeah. go, go to the bottom because there's nowhere else to go. But it's, we're, we're all so different. Like how our bodies, you know, react to everything so different and, and causes us all to have a, a very unique experience yeah. when it comes to our pregnancies. Yeah. That's why you can't compare. You can't, there's so no. many variables. You know, I remember exactly. asking my doctor, I'm like, so I do a lot of prenatal yoga. If I do an inversion, does this placenta <laughs> go in its place? And he was like, it's not, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, okay, no. okay. <laughs> I'm just asking. It's a little shake. It's just a little. Exactly. I thought gravity you know, might help just, you. <laughs> just shift it a little bit. He's like, I, unfortunately, no. I'm like, got it, got oh, it. Oh, I love and that. And I hate those That's stress awesome. tests because it's like, so you want me to come to the stress test and not stress out about the stress test. It's like when you, you know, right. someone puts a cuff on you and you're like, <laughs> you're like, no wonder it's spiking. I need to calm down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I remember this. You're bringing me back to that whole, the, that, that 20 week. Yeah, it's a, it's a nerve wracking one, but it, it doesn't always end up with, you know, some unexpected news. So don't freak out if you're also facing 20 weeks and you're listening to this. But it's a very yeah, informative it's, visit. It's, it's not always like that for everybody. <laughs> no, but it's an informative uh, visit. So, um, yes. so, yeah. But so birth your birth story for baby your son how was that yes 
So um, that's another funny one. So once again, they scheduled the C-section for week 37 because once again, they didn't want me to go into labor. So they scheduled it for week 37. I'm doing the weekly stress test. Mm -hmm. So when I go in at week 36 for my weekly stress test, I've got the baby because, you know, um, for those who are unfamiliar with it, they need the baby to be moving. They need the baby to be active during these stress tests. And so what we had found over the time is that my son really liked a certain song. And so I would play that song on my phone and he would start moving. Mm-hmm. He'd start, you know, moving around in there. So he's doing his thing and I'm, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, like, like right near the, you know, my sternum. But I'm not, I'm used to that. Like I'm used to his feet being up there and I'm used to being uncomfortable. And the lady is looking at the, I guess the monitor of the stress test. She's like, um, how are you feeling right now? And I'm like, I feel fine. Like his, his feet are in my, are up here. I was like, but I feel fine. She's like, you're, you're in labor right now. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I'm not, I'm not having any pain. Like I'm having the normal his feet are in my up in my rib cage mm-hmm. situation, but I'm not in any pain. She's like, okay. She, so she keeps monitoring it. And she, so they know my situation. She comes and gets a second person to come and read it. And they're, they're doing all the things now, like they're moving the probes around and everything. And they're like, are you okay? Like, cause everything <laughs> on their end is showing I'm in labor. I'm like, no, I'm, I feel fine. Ladies. Like I, I, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. And they're like, well, since you can't go into labor, we're going to have to say, okay, so where I was doing the stress test just happened to be right across the street from the hospital that I wanted to deliver at, what? right? So they tell me, they were like, can you make it? Can you drive across the street? If not, we can get somebody to drive you. I was like, I'm feeling fine. Yeah. I was like, I'll drive myself across the street. So I did. I hopped in the car. I drove <laughs> across the street, went to the... um to the maternal area, told them what was happening. They were already waiting for me. They're like, we, they called us that we know you're here. So they had called my doctor. Doctor comes in. She's like, okay, Dacia. So uh, he was supposed to come next week, but he's coming today. We're going to have to do the C-section today. So call my husband. <laughs> I'm like, hey, he's coming today. <laughs> he's like, okay. So he, he leaves work, goes, grabs the bag. He gets to the hospital and about... I'd say all in told, I'd say about six, maybe seven hours later, um, I delivered via C-section about a week earlier than planned. So baby came at at, at, um, at week 36 and then that whole journey started. Um, he did come early. So he was in the NICU for about four days. And then we dealt with other little things after that. We dealt with like jaundice and, and, and his, he, you know, baby's are normally born, born at a certain weight and then they'll lose a little bit of weight, you know, you know, the few days and stuff after that. But for, for Matthew, my son, it was trying to get his weight back up. Mm-hmm. So then we started dealing with the, you know, weight gain and things like that over the, over the next few months. It was a journey. It was definitely a journey. It was definitely one that once again, we didn't plan it that way, even though, you know, there was a medical plan. He decided he was going to come a little bit earlier than that song uh, was too good. The song was, he was like, I'm trying to dance it out now. Apparently girl, (laughs) apparently that's what he was doing. And, and keep in mind, I had continued to teach my, um, that cardio kickboxing class three days before this happened. So um, the last time I taught was three days before that happened. He normally during the class, very still, 
He, he would not kick. He would not move around during these classes. But he liked this particular song. And that song would always get him up and moving. And who knew? Like, I, I feel so, wow. uh, when I stop and think about it, I feel blessed that I was there at that stress test when it happened. Because once again, I didn't feel anything. I did not know I was in labor. Yeah. And to know that I wasn't supposed to go into labor, that I was not supposed to to have that that baby naturally, I, I feel really, really blessed and lucky that I was there that day, that it happened the way it did. Yes, he came early, but uh, once again, that that's things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And I once again feel really blessed that it that it went down the way it went down. Yeah, that's a great reflection. That's absolutely true. My goodness. I yeah. I'm curious, does he react to that song now? Like did he have to- It's funny. He used to when he was a little bit younger, like when he was like two or three, yeah. he would still react to it. Now when it comes on the radio, and, and I'll just let everybody know, the song is Happy by Aww. Pharrell. So it's that song, um, which was really popular at the time that I was pregnant with my son. So it was on the radio all the time. And every time it would come on, I would I'd be like, oh, hold, hold up, he's kicking. Like he would react to it every time. So now we he just, when it comes on the radio, I'll look at him through my rear view mirror. I'll look at him in the backseat and he'll look at me because he knows right. that there's a connection and stuff there. Because I've reminded him over the years. I was like, this was the song, buddy. This was your favorite song when you were in mommy's belly. So, Aww. yeah, he, he, he knows there's a connection to it now. So sweet. That's so yeah, sweet. it's awesome. <laughs> so when you, after you had Matthew, was there a, a time frame that you and your husband had discussed to bring in your daughter in terms of, cause I know your plan had always been to adopt. So did you exactly. have a plan as to how many years you wanted to wait before doing that? Honestly, no, it was funny. You know, once again, we built this house and we, you know, had these two rooms, you know, one for each kid. And, and we knew my plan had always been, you know, if I can conceive and have the baby first, then I'm going to adopt the opposite gender. So since we had a little boy, we knew that that, uh, that extra bedroom that was in the house was going to be for a little right. girl. But we had never really discussed the, okay, two years later, three years later. Like we had never really discussed that part. To be honest, life just started happening. Like things just started happening for both of us. My husband was retiring or um we actually had a two year stint where my husband had to go to Texas um, towards the end of his Air Force career. He actually went to Texas and me and Matthew stayed in Arizona because once again, we built this house. Yeah. This was where my full time job was like we stayed here. So there was a two year gap there where my husband was gone. Obviously, he came back and visited and, and we did holidays and things like that. But there was so much life that was happening during that time, Victoria, that I don't think we ever stopped to think about yeah. it. You know, I resigned from my job. I opened a fitness studio. I started doing this coaching. Like I started doing all these things. And then it just finally dawned on me one day towards the end of 2018. I was like, OK, 2019 is coming up and I'm about to be 40 and we don't have the second kid yet. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so we, that is honestly when we first, when we finally had the discussion, we're like, we've let a lot of life happen. We've a, had a lot of major um, milestones happen in the last four years, but we don't have our second kid and we're not getting younger, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I knew at that point, you know, having a son and, and being that age, I knew what my energy levels and stuff were like. And I knew that if I still want to be energetic yeah. and get down on the ground with this baby, I better start. 
So um, it was honestly then, like it was towards the end of 2018. So Matthew was already four mm-hmm. years old. We were like, okay, let's let's start this process because we don't really know this adoption process. So we need to learn it. We need to figure it out. And I, once again, I knew from experience, I knew from other people that I that I had in my life that it can either be a really quick experience or it can be a very long experience. And if it was going to be very long, we didn't want that gap to get any greater, mm-hmm. right? We didn't want it to be a huge gap between you know, Matthew and his, his baby sister and stuff. So, um, we started the process in January of 2019 and long story short, our baby girl was born in September of that year. And we, we placed with her when she was four days old. And so it literally for us was about an eight to nine month process all in told. Once again, girl, Matthew was, Matthew stayed four days in the NICU. Then you got your daughter four days later. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Four four is an important yeah. yeah. And we we wanted our family of four. Like I never wanted l- more kids than two, right? I wanted there to be the two parents and the two kids, like four. Like four is an it's an important number. I'm glad I I, I love that you picked up yeah. on that because that's an important number for, for us and our family. Yeah, that's a special number for you. And she's four yeah. now. She is, yeah. So how do you handle how how did you handle telling Matthew? So what we did is we talked about him having a a baby sister, but we didn't put a timeline on it. We just talked about the process because we didn't know what was going to happen. You know, for those who are unfamiliar with the adoption process, um, it really depends on how you do it, whether it's a domestic adoption, whether it's international, whether it's going to be an open adoption, a closed adoption. There's so many different ways of going about it that we knew that there was that small possibility that if we placed with somebody, that the birth mother would decide not to go through with the adoption plan. And so we didn't want to get to that point and and get Matthew's hopes Mm -hmm. up because, yes, we're the adults in the situation. Me and my husband, we're going to be disappointed. but we're going to be able to to understand that and conceptualize that and 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 know that that's exactly how what was supposed to happen. If that birth mother decides not to go with the adoption plan, that that's what was supposed to happen, right? We know how to do that. But my five year old son does not. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to understand why the baby sister we've been talking about that we were going to you know get that get this time why that didn't happen and so we decided that we would simply talk about the concept with him of hey Matthew I think it's time for you to have a baby sister how do you feel about that and we told him about the adoption process but we didn't give him a timeline he was not aware of what we were aware of. He, he was not aware of us being uh, picked by a birth mother about the plan, about when she was due. He was not aware of any of that. He just knew that we were going on a road trip and we were going to, you know, at that road trip, we were going to, you know, see some stuff. That is really what he knew. And we decided that we were not going to actually tell him that she had arrived until we knew that the placement was, was, um, for certain. Um, and once again, that's different in every state. Like every state has laws about, about how uh, many days the birth mother has to make that decision and things like that. And so we had to wait three days in, in her birth state 
in order for before the birth mother could um, could sign um, the, the papers and everything like that. And so we waited. We waited until that happened. And when that happened, we were actually able to meet the birth mother. So Matthew was able to meet her as well. And and then that was the day that we actually, you know, we actually, we were able to tell him that your baby sister's been born. Are you ready to meet her? And and, and go about it that way. So that was our decision. That's what we decided to do. I know that so many people have done it differently and, and have different reasons for doing what they did. But my son is autistic. And because he's autistic, I know that his brain and how he is processing what we tell him is very literal. And mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that we protected his his ability to understand the adoption process and what we were going through. And so that was the decision we made. Once again, I know it's different for everybody, but that that's how we wound up. Handling. You know, those decisions were valid for you and your family situation. You did yes. what was best for your family as do other people. And that's amazing. And yeah. I'm so happy for Matthew that he got his sister. He Such did. And they are the best thing ever. Um, one little thing that I do like to add is that it was, when we talk about things being meant to be, Victoria, the birth mother is in a, a completely no, a different state from us. And she had gone to an adoption agency and she had asked them, is there a is there an interracial couple that already has a kid? This is unheard of because most most birth mothers actually want their child to be placed with a couple who does not have any kids. They want their, their child to be the first for that couple. It is very rare for a birth mother to ask for a couple. That are, and in this particular case, she was looking for an interracial couple where one of the parents was black. This adoption agency in that state did not have anybody that fit that criteria <laughs> whatsoever. So she contacted um, an agency here in Arizona that I was working with. It was the agency I was working with to get our to get our profile book out there. And so when the lady in in the birth state called up the lady here in Arizona, she goes, "I know this is a long shot, but I'm just gonna ask: Is there any possibility that you've got an interracial couple there in Arizona that's already got a kid?" And my adoption. Uh, advisor was like, oh my God, yes, we do. And they just finalized. We had just been approved by the state that week. We had just been approved. I, this is no yeah, accident. I'm telling you. No accidents. No, there, there are, are no, no accidents. accidents. There are no accidents. And so when the birth mother saw our profile book, she saw Matthew. And Matthew is why she chose us. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was partly me and my husband. Yes. But she saw Matthew. So Matthew is the most important component of all of this. Like he was the, she wanted her daughter to have him as a big brother. So their connection now, like watching them now, it's the best thing ever. They are the cutest little, I mean, of course they're siblings. They squabble. Of course they've got their, you know, you know, they fight and bicker over things. But they are the cutest thing. They they want to know where the other is at whenever they're apart from each other. They love being together. They love playing together. They are just they're meant to be. They they you know she was meant to be my daughter, and they were definitely meant to be to be siblings. It's just it really is the best thing. What a blessing! What a specific ask she had. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. 
yeah but it's just another testament to just when things are just meant to be they're just meant what's meant for you no one can stop no, thank you no one can take away for you, you from you what is meant for you and, and that's in any anything but man yeah your whole yeah. your your whole store i mean <laughs> just i'm just blown away girl you got exactly what you wanted oh do you I, understand you know, that no I, do you understand I, the power of your your own words your entire life you got exactly what you wanted because you've never been afraid to ask for what you want and to go for what you want. There is something in knowing your own voice. And what I was saying earlier is that your family respecting that to go, okay, where's the kid and not talking about the husband. It's because your voice has always been heard and powerful enough for people to respect. And that came from your understanding, your empowerment of who you've been uh thank you that is thank you that's very sweet to to hear i've i've heard that from people i've heard people tell me that they've never seen somebody who goes after what they want so so fervently as as i do and that I, I believe that but i just i don't know i i don't know how to it's explain it it's not just it other going than, after it i have to you know put, it's the it's being specific with what you do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the difference. Is yeah, there are a lot of people who go after what they want. Yeah. But you're specific, you're you've been very specific as to what you yeah. want. Which yeah. in turn you were blessed with that gift from this birth mother. She was very specific with what she yes. wanted. And yes. the universe brought you together because what do you yes. want? Exactly. Yes. What is it that you want? And uh, that is, whew, I'm just. That's the message, isn't mm -hmm. it? Isn't that the message? And, and don't be afraid to dream because don't be afraid to ask for yes. what you want. Because if you are 35 and up, what I love about your story is not, and especially that you'll, you had one yourself, you adopted another, that your motherhood journey can look like whatever you want it to look like. Yes. And there are many roads, and I say this in my intro, many roads to motherhood and parenthood. So yes. this, the fact that you had that within you to say, I don't have to birth both of my children. I just want to. I want to, and I'm going to be yeah. more specific. I want to be able to give a home, make a home to a child Yes. I don't, yes. I just have so much love to give. I don't care about having another one naturally. I want one. I'm going to try for one. And I, I firmly believe that if you had not been able to have Matthew, you would just adopt it too. You yeah. would just had your children because yeah. you want, yes. you wanted two, ch two children. That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I, I, I love what you said there about, going for what you want and being specific about it. You know, I think, I think so many women out there, especially when we hit this age, we feel like, well, this is it. This is, you know, whatever has happened to me or whatever I'm doing right now, this is it. Whatever career path I chose, I, this is it. I can't change it. This is just what it's going to be. Um, whether I have kids or not at this point, it just is what it is. You know, I can't change it. Like, 
I feel like so many people feel like once we hit our 40s, we're stuck. Like we're in this box and we can't we can't navigate out of it if our heart is telling us to 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 do something different or to try something different. I'm my philosophy is go for it. What's the worst that can happen? What is the absolute worst that can happen if you go for it and it doesn't quite happen when you think it's going to? Or if it doesn't happen at all, if it doesn't happen, then maybe it wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe you were supposed to learn from that experience. And I truly believe in that. You know, you can win and then you can learn. Right. I mean, instead of losing and, and getting kind of stuck in that mindset of, you know, I've lost. Woe is me. I'll, I'll, I'll never do whatever again. Learn from it instead. And you know, I being on here today and and telling this story, and and I appreciate you, um, you know, seeing the positives of it. It is. I do have a very positive life, but that doesn't mean that there haven't been setbacks sure. along the way. And how you deal with those setbacks. Had I looked in order for us. Sidebar, in order for us to go through the adoption process, I actually had to close my fitness studio. So my fitness studio was a big part of what I was doing, big part of me, a big part of my career, my profession, what I love to do. But we were not going to be able to do that and the adoption process at the same time. And so there was a choice that had to be made. And I chose the family choice as opposed to the, the studio. That was a that some people see that as a setback when you got to close a business, you know, something you've dreamed about doing and, 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 and owning and operating your own business. You know, some people see that as as a setback. But for me, yes, it was disappointing, but it had to happen that way. It had to. I had to do it that way in order for Nayla to be a part of my family, in order for her to come and complete our little family of four, you know, and that's a mindset. Like you have like our mindset about about where our life is currently and then where our life is headed makes all the difference in the world. And that's probably the only thing that separates me from the other ladies out there who are wishing for things is that my mindset's a little bit different about it. I'm going to at least try, right? And I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn. And so that's, for me, I feel like that's the difference in my story and what other people could see their story becoming. So inspiring. So inspiring. You either win Thank or learn. you. You're so sweet. Thank, no, no, that's just facts. It's facts. <laughs> Thank you so much. I want people to, because I just, if you missed anything, like, I, I hope you didn't miss this. <laughs> this girl was kickboxing. <laughs> to be learning from and doing your health and fitness journey with this is the one so if she can do that then she can work with yourself with you if you are if you are trying to start and get healthy today this is who you need to talk to because she's not playing games okay Oh, Daisha says she can learn, but she came to win. So if you're trying to win, please, can you tell them where they can find you? Where do they find you to work with you? Oh, you're so awesome, Victoria. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you for for having me today. I love this conversation. I would love to just talk to you again, just just random, because you're just no, we're friends. We should. Once you're in this family, 
I, I talk to all my guests regularly. So Perfect. I love, I love that. It. I would love to continue <laughs> doing that. Um, real easy. It's uh, You can find me on my website, DaciaEnos.com, or you can find me on Instagram at DaciaEnos. Either one of those, hit me up, send me a message or send me a DM, and I would be... Uh, I'd be happy to talk to you and get you going where, whatever, wherever you are in your health journey, you don't have to be, you know, an expert or you don't have to be, you know, sitting on the couch right now. It doesn't matter where you are in your health journey. I just really, truly enjoy, um, helping. I love helping and I love being a small part of a woman's, um, ability to become the, the best version of herself. Well, if you're looking for transformation, if you're looking for support, if you're looking for inspiration, Daisha Enos, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so Thank you so much. much, Victoria. Thank you so much. Isn't she great and fun too, right? Thanks so much to Daisha Enos for visiting today. You can find out more about her by visiting www.daishaenos.com or YouTube, Instagram, Facebook at Daisha Enos. And once again, I'm your host, Victoria Latour Dunker. Thanks for stopping by today. And I'd like to hear from you. So leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Follow us on all the social media platforms at New Mommy at 40. Our website is www.newmommyat40.com, where you can also submit to be my next guest. Theme song was written and performed by yours truly, composers Boris Tavastinov and myself. Musical arrangement by Yazioko, Yaz Fokoa, and animation by Ellen's Animation. See you next week.